Hey, before we get started on this next episode of Beer in a Movie, we want to make it known to everybody that we are going to be doing our very first live recording of the podcast. It Whoa, is, yeah. Yes, Joe is <laughs> hyped. Oh, yeah. Uh, it is going to be on March 9th at the third annual Corpus Christi Brewery Festival, which is going to be happening at the Art Center, which is downtown. From 2 to 3 p.m., uh-huh. you can catch all your local favorite breweries there, Lazy yep. Beach, Rebel Toad, Lorelei, B&J's Brew Pub, et cetera, et And cetera. other Texas breweries like Weathered Souls and Freetail. Freetail. Um, all will be there. Yeah. Um, and We yeah. want to see you. Yeah, we want to see you at that, and uh, hopefully we have some audience interaction type situations that Let's come up. Let's drink a beer uh, together. What movies are we yeah, talking David, about? David We're going to be talking from. about beer in movies and in particular, we're going to be focusing on a couple classics, Smokey and the Bandit from the 1970s, yeah. and a little bit later, The Strange Brew. Fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. So that is going to be happening March 9th, 2 to 3 p.m., Art Center, third annual brewery festival. You don't want to miss it. Even if you can't make it out that early to see us, go to the brewery festival, support that's local right. craft beer, because that's Drink ultimately local. what it's all about. Um, Let's record a podcast. And you can do it with us. Welcome to the Beer and a Movie Podcast, a podcast where we combine two of the greatest art forms known to humanity, beer and movies, sometimes achieving outstanding pairings and other times giving ourselves the opportunity to wash the terrible taste of failure from our mouths. My name is Joe Hilliard, and I'm all, as always, I'm with Dave Gurney, Carlos Cooper, and we have a special guest today that I'm very excited to announce. He is our aficionado on the topic of the film that we are going to watch. And he went on record as saying, Lords of Chaos. More like Lords of Boring. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so we have uh, the new lead projectionist of the Alamo Draft House, the guitar pl- guitar player uh, of Bomb Hoarder, uh, Greedy Mouth. Yep. Uh, am I missing anything? No. no. Josh Delion. Hey, how's it going? Thanks for having me. Yeah, uh, thanks for coming. Yeah, that post was, I literally woke up the next morning and rolled over and told my girlfriend, Lords of Boring, and like immediately started <laughs> typing it out. <laughs> Well, wow, a, this is spo- hot take. Spoiler alert, folks. <laughs> yeah. we, we, we have a hater in the house. Well, today we're going to do something different. We would normally go <laughs> straight to the first movie, Yeah, crack open our first beer, but we had a little, I guess, uh, summit to discuss how we're going to plan this episode out and how we wanted to handle the Oscars, and I said, well, it, do we want to talk about the Oscars? The Oscars just, of course, happened for a full half of the show, and I thought, no. So, hey, how about this? Let's do something that shakes this podcast to the core. We'll just change up the format a little bit and do five minutes on the Oscars. So that's what we're going to do. The only rule is, Carlos, if you would set a timer, we're going to talk about it for five minutes. Yeah, an actual five minutes. And when the five minutes is over, we're done. We're done. Okay. But, but before that, if we're going to talk that's about right. that, if I, we're I, gonna do this, I absolutely... David, 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 put that away, because I brought... Something for Ooh. this segment. <laughs> All right. Uh, oh, we like, a segment specific. A segment. Uh, a segment beer. We're shaking our podcast to the core. <laughs> my my uh, fiance was traveling in Arkansas and went to Core Brewing and brought back a six pack of mixed beers. So I brought the uh, Pale Ale. Okay. It's their Ooh, E-Stop right. Pale Ale. All it's right. a four point seven. Although their website says it's a six point oh. 
which is interesting. Fake news. But I thought that we, <laughs> I thought that we would just pour ourselves a little pale ale to get this thing started real quick. And uh, while you're cracking that open, Core Ooh, Brewing yeah. is from Springdale, Arkansas. It's the largest brewer in the state, and they've got like five or six locations in around the Springdale area. And uh, I don't know anything about this brewery outside of one beer advocate user saying that they've been instrumental in bringing the craft beer movement and the local beer movement to the state. They don't have the best beer in the state, but everything they put out is pretty solid. So this is their one of their flagship beers. It's available year-round. It's the E-Stop Pale Ale. Well, cheers, Joe. Thanks cheers, for bringing yeah, of that course. one. And, and thank you, Aislinn. So as soon, Carlos, as you're ready with that timer, we're going straight into it. And if you don't mind, I'll go first, giving us just some quick statistics. Okay, I am ready. Three, two, one. Okay, from Variety Magazine, Bohemian Rhapsody led the 91st Annual Academy Awards, taking home four awards. Uh, Close behind with three wins were Roma, Black Panther, and Green Book, three wins each. In addition to four language film, Roma took Best Directing and Cinematography. Black Panther surprised with wins in Production Design, Costume Design, and Original Score. I won't go into the actors or actresses. Uh, we also saw Queen with Adam Lambert, and uh, I could go into more. But, uh, Carlos, what did you think of the how the awards shook out? Um, Bohemian Rhapsody sucks. Uh, Queen with Adam Lambert sucks. Um, <laughs> not a surprise that Black Panther won costume design because it was great. Uh, not a surprise that Vice won hair and makeup. Not a surprise that Ludwig Gorenson, who very, very, very deservedly won best score, in my personal opinion. Agreed. Um, uh, the best actor category was underwhelming. Uh, shout out to Olivia Coleman. Yeah. Uh, shout out to Mahershala Ali, the goat, the new Denzel. In my opinion, I know it's a bold statement that I made, but I'm prepared to stand. Behind I stand that. with you on that. Yeah. yeah. I, we we stand Mahershala Ali on this podcast, David. D- David, think? I'm going with you, but first let me just say, best picture, kind of a surprise, I think, by many. Green Book, best director, it's split. It was Alfonso Cuarón for Roma. And uh, uh, the best animated feature film was, of course, we all thought it would be Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. Though I would have liked Isle of Dogs. David? I would yeah. T- I agree. I actually, I, I fall in the line with a lot of what Carlos was saying. I was, I was pleasantly surprised, although I would, I would count some of those wins as surprises to me. I was not necessarily expecting uh, Black Panther to come away with, those, with the uh, costume and... Uh, um, what was the other the production design? I was glad it did. Yeah, I, you know, certainly the, those were good wins. I thought they were deserved. Don't wins. you think, don't think the voters thought if I give Black Panther something, it would be these? Maybe that's how they got those. No, votes? I'm I, I'm sure there is. Yes, if if I was gonna be uh, a better cynical predictor of awards, then I would probably have have gotten there more. But uh, there there were just some things that I thought were a little bit more. Um, traditional kind of Oscar winner uh, like Mary Queen of Scots and The Favorite and these costume dramas that tend to take those so you know those were surprises I was really happy to see Olivia Coleman win I I was was super excited even though I don't think it was necessarily the best adapted screenplay I was really excited to see Spike Lee win I thought it was it It was was nice for Spike to get on stage it was a super cool moment with Samuel L. Jackson as the presenter Their, their moment there was worth the price of admission for me. Like, I was glad I was watching the broadcast. Also, top five fits Spike Lee. The outfit. Oh, the oh yeah. Yeah, no, yeah. he looked great. Top Somebody five. said Although he saw... looked like War Luigi. I was, I was <laughs> going to say, I did see some people saying some nasty stuff, but I thought it worked. It's the internet. They're going to make jokes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's the internet, yeah. folks. Internet's um, undefeated. 
But it was sad that it ended on that note of Green Book winning. I mean, I just and yeah. and again, we H- now, have, had you seen it? Prior no, to the broadcast? no, none of us. Have seen we it. should say none of us have seen none it because it didn't it, come to town I, until. I but, feel like but Jesus right and Marrow on the inaugural episode of their new Showtime show. Made, like spoofed it really hard and we're like there's no black person that liked this movie <laughs> like they like <laughs> when they blanket statement or just yeah, like yeah. Right. and and that they, seems I, to be he, the major criticism even Mahershala Ali has apologized for the movie yeah. Yeah. right Which, so you've got this weird voting situation where because I've seen these kinds of articles where it talks about uh, this is how the yeah. how it won because no one expected it to. Josh what did was, you think about the night as a whole I thought it was strange seeing a Fairly Brother win an Oscar <laughs> <laughs> it was kind of strange yeah, uh, I I was behind Black Panther. The costume design was insane. I think they did some 3D printing yeah. for a lot of their costumes. I thought yeah. that was pretty innovative. Uh, yeah, and Green Book was a big. That was a big letdown. <laughs> it was it it was like a movie my mom would watch, and she really wanted to watch it. Yeah. Right. So I'll say that much. And Spike Lee said too, he lost to Driving Miss Daisy twice. Right. Yeah. Twice. Two, yeah. two driver yeah. films. Right. Yeah. Um, if you go back and listen to our favorite episode, I think I said, and we all kind of agreed, if Olivia Coleman, if there's an award to win, we hope she wins it. And, yeah, and that she was did. the one of all of the things they could have been nominated right. for that I felt was the most likely for if it was going to take home anything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It would, that would be the first one. She was so good. If so you haven't good. seen the favorite, see that she movie. She was incredible. It's still yeah. my and what did she say in her speech? Like, this is never going to happen again or something? Yeah. Yeah. I like that she is dressed. I'll like never be up close and Lady Gaga. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it was the best original song. And we have <laughs> we have at least a few seconds. So shallow uh, won the the song, and then of course uh, Bradley Cooper. A movie I mean, I love gets Lady up Gaga, on stage and they do their thing. Yeah, yeah whatever. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I I was happy to see her win. The performance of the Ballad of Buster Scrug song though was dope. That yeah. is really really. I liked great. that yeah. a lot. Yeah. I, uh, I thought I thought that was nice that, too. That or all the stars would have been my picks, yeah. personally, for that category. But I, thought, I thought all in all it was a pretty pandering year. I think yeah. you're commenting on more traditional. It felt like that, especially with Bohemian Rhapsody getting as oh much as God, it did. Especially. Best editing? That's a, what a fucking joke. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like, well, and, and sound mixing for that matter. Oh I, the, yeah, it, I don't know. Hey, that's I, five minutes. Okay, so, so why don't we spend one minute and talk about uh, this beer? I don't know anything about this brewery at all. It was deli- hand-delivered to me from Arkansas. Um, I have a distinct opinion on the flavor and uh, product. Uh, David, what do you think? I, I really enjoy it. I mean, it's it's a nice pale ale. It drinks really easily. It's got a nice kind of. I I like the hot profile. It's kind of crisp. It's almost. It's a little grassier than I expect with a pale ale. It's almost got like a pilsner kind of quality. Uh, from to their it. website, it's a delicious juicy pale ale featuring four mm. hop varieties. Yeah, I would I would mm. not go juicy. <laughs> not juicy. No. Coarse filtered to retain a robust mouthfeel and light haze, and then a dry hop it with citra. Yeah. To yeah. create the nose. I'm not overwhelmed at all. I, I mean, I, I like it, and uh-huh. I would yeah. probably drink it again, but I don't agree with that particular description of it. Sure. Um, yeah. If that's what they were going for, then I think they might have missed the mark, but, um, right. you know. And uh, the ABV. Yeah. They missed the mark on that, too. Why? What, what, what well, they the just ABV? said on the I mean, website it was 6.0, but this can is clearly a 4.7. Oh, from I the mean, taste, you know it's not that strong. Yeah. Huh. I mean, yeah. Did, any, did, anything Are you sure under... you didn't get the wrong description off the website, Joe? It's yes. just like they're describing another beer. Yeah. <laughs> well, that that's not a good sign. I think no. anything under 5% is just hey, water. Du- uh, <laughs> <laughs> if, it, if, it turns out, if it turns out that I'm wrong, just beep all of this out, Carlos. Yeah. I'll just... <laughs> 
<laughs> All right. I, I'll, I'll sporadically just add beeps in just so nobody can really track what you're saying. Okay, go. let's wash the, the flavor from our mouths. David, where were you before right. we got started with our little experiment? Well, I, I have a bottle here to get to uh, get us into the metal mood uh, with uh, for the Lords of Chaos film. This is from Drake's Brewing Company out of there. Are they San Diego? Oh, gosh. I should, oh, San Leandro, California. And it is a triple IPA that they do called Hopocalypse. And uh, I thought, you know, the, the apocalyptic kind of uh, tie-in there with, you know, metal often has apocalyptic imagery uh, associated with it. So I thought that would be a good way to go. And nothing gets the conversation flowing like a triple IPA. I was going to say. Right? <laughs> Which, what is the ABV? Is it 10%? It's 12.5. Okay, there we go. All right. That's so, a beer. Yeah, that's, that's like... Two two and a half of, of what we were just having. So <laughs> anyhow, um, yeah, so so Drake's, this is actually my first time having a Drake's beer, but I've heard about them uh, So you've already had the this. Years. No, this is my first time okay. having I it. I you said this was, and I was like, okay, yeah. beat us to the punch. I have to say I'll nominate y'all for the best sound effects in podcasts. <laughs> I love hearing Thank the beer. Thank you. Our Foley department's incredible. <laughs> yeah. and, and that's I've... live. That's not in post. That's live. <laughs> that's right. That's tasty. Um, right. Cool. So sip it, smell Triple it. Triple IPA. This is this will hold us over till we get back to it. 101 <laughs> IBU, which I'm not entirely sure what that means. Person, I don't. International you know. bitterness units. Oh, okay. Yeah. I always wonder what it's. It's a, it's, it's one of the squirreliest of uh, beer stats. Is mm, what okay. I, what I've learned is that yeah. you know it, hops have a certain amount of IBU, so then they kind of calculate it based on the recipe. But it's not a hard using. science. It's not a. It's hard more of a science. guesstimation. It's, it it yeah. seems like kind of a soft. Uh, yeah. Anyway, and the, and for a while there. When everybody was sort of competing to see who could make the, the hoppies, bitterest yeah. hoppy beer, that was my least favorite time in beer. <laughs> <laughs> that actually, actually, when I first started, like I don't know, drinking oh, beer, I, I guess. Love these um, I that I was during that kind of phase, How'd and you get started, I, and I decided I didn't like beer. And I didn't drink for like years, right? Yeah, uh, because I was like, "This is gross. You guys are gross." For oh, that was your wine cooler <laughs> thing. Um, and so, yeah, uh, it was a bad well, time. I mean, even by the time when we started the podcast, you were still kind of on the fence about IPAs. Uh, yeah, and it was because of that right. time period right. where I was like, "This is you guys are crazy." I will yeah. say one of my best conversations with you was at a wedding, and we were, you were pretty toasted. I was working, <laughs> and we talked for a good twenty minutes, we, and I realized we did. I, and then you were like, "Wait, shit, I'm at work." Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, yeah at the country club, right? Yeah, I think that was yeah. my friend Cameron's wedding. Uh, yeah, I was pretty toasty by then. Uh, I, I didn't think you you were a drinker before then. Yeah, I, 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 at that, I don't know. I still wasn't like super like into beer at that point. I think I was yeah. just like, oh, whatever, you know. Well, and, and now, now it? probably next episode, not the next episode after this, but the one after that, we'll probably be drinking another beer that I made. Nice. Or that Joey made and I watched. That's right. That's getting ready. <laughs> uh, but we were there you at have, the same time. <laughs> when it nice. comes to beer, you become a lord of chaos. <sighs> I Speaking think, of which. I think the beer conversations and beer drinkers are very related. It's easy relatable to metal because there's so many subgenres, so many discussions, and a lot of elitist <laughs> members of the community. Hey, no offense. I, I, I love no, talking I beers. It. I love talking liquor. Uh, that's, that's accurate, I think. But it kind of goes hand in hand because there are a lot of people who who uh, pride themselves on knowing the best. And yeah. The best. So, so as somebody who is more um, a part of the subculture of just like metal and heavier music in general, um, do you want to tell us, uh, do you want to kind of set the movie up? 
<clears throat> yeah, sure. Uh, and like the story that it tells, because it's based on a, it's based on a truth. It says at the beginning that based on truth and lies, right? Is what it says. Yeah, yeah. it's it's based. They literally took the name from the book the Lord book, of the Chaos. Yeah. yeah, which I admittedly read seventy five percent of it. I just got tired of it. Mm. Okay. Uh, but yeah, so it's about uh, a group in, uh, I believe it's Oslo, um, yeah. where. They called themselves the Black Circle. Uh, one of the main members, Euronymous, he actually had a record shop. It was uh, just called Hell. Hell, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, and he kind of put out Mayhem's first few releases and worked with Varg and put out some of his Burzum releases. But the story centered around mainly the characters of Euronymous and Varg and their uh, their beef, for lack of a better word. Um, mm-hmm. And just that scene, A lot of I think a lot of people go into it thinking that it's about black metal, but mainly it's about the members of Mayhem right. and the violence that... Violence, murders, church burning, that, that group called the Black Circle kind of... We're behind. And, yeah. And yeah. Was, was the other... There was also um, Dead. Emperor, right? Yeah, they don't really... Tangentially, because Faust well, there is, is sort of a part Faust of it, right? Faust is from Emperor, yeah. yeah. And uh, now I think what the problem is, the movie, the filmmaker had trouble getting rights from many of like the members of the... Of that original scene. Uh, so he couldn't actually call them, like, add them by name yeah. into the story. See, with Varg, I think it was kind of like a public story, so he had rights to do that. But if yeah. you look, I think Fenris from Dark Throne is credited, but they never mention him, and he kind of set himself aside. He said, no, I don't want any part in this movie. Yeah. They both, I think they were all against the book as well. Um, but yeah. So Varg it's, certainly was. Yeah, yeah. So it's basically about that group of friends who uh, were, they were basically just kids that wanted to make metal. And this and is like the inception of what we now understand as Norwegian black metal. Yes, yes. This right. is all—it's happening as this subgenre is being created. It's—it's it's a very intriguing story, and you can kind of go down the rabbit hole and yeah. find yourself. I mean, which the, I did. Yeah, the, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we were talking. You said you had never really listened to black metal, so you did it all day, and that's kind of the best way because it's very abrasive. Yeah, it's very in your face, and it's very uh, well. It, I, I agree, and it, it's it's interesting because I remember hearing about this stuff back in the '90s when I was first getting a little into metal. I've I've never been. I would not call myself a metalhead, but I have an appreciation for a lot of different metal. And I remember hearing these stories about, oh yeah, these guys in Norway who are just like so hardcore that they, you know, like really live it and they really do this stuff. And and I remember that kind of simultaneously intriguing me, but also turning me off. So I never really went down that rabbit hole at the time and kind of, I guess, stuck with safer metal routes. But it was, so it was interesting. I think for me in the mid 2000s, there was a documentary called Metal, A Headbanger's Journey that um, that played at South by Southwest. And I remember seeing that and there was a section on this moment in metal history and that that was kind of the most i knew about it before i saw this dramatization of of that whole see the story has already been told um, a few times yeah the book itself and uh there's a documentary which it's one of my favorite documentaries and pretty the go-to documentary for black metal fans until the light takes us right Uh, and i love that documentary because they talk to everybody actually other than euronymous because obviously he's dead but uh I mean, and also you get to watch Varg tell the story of how he killed Euronymous. Uh, so if, you know, as a companion piece to this movie, that documentary is definitely very important. And, and Varg was out of prison at that point. In the they, documentary? Yeah. No, he was he in was, prison doing interviews in prison. He but actually, he's, a, he's out now. Yes, he is, he is out, out now. now. Okay. He spent 14 years. Right. Was, yeah. He was sentenced to 20-something? Yeah, right? 20. Right. He, he actually made albums in prison. Yeah. Yeah. Which I have one of them. Yeah. Uh, 
I think nowadays it's hard to admit that you have Burzum albums, but uh, <laughs> is that right? What well, it's I, we were talking about it, um, especially in the underground like punk metal scene. Uh, it, it's very controversial, and he's basically a white nationalist. Yeah, he kind of tries to fight off that that imagery, but he and he's like I feel he still sticks to the views that he had when he was that kid making that music. Right, um, but he's it's re- very he's rebranded it a little bit. A now. little bit, yeah, yeah. yeah. But he gets he. I mean, recently I think he he had like a terroristic threat uh, charge on him. Yeah, he was arrested in France for um, like inciting violence or threatening to incite violence or something like that. Right, right, right. And you know he like he writes about his view, which he has uh, coined odalism, I think, or something like that. Yeah. And it's this kind of like paganist, um, like nationalist kind of thing. So consistent with um, what he was doing. He is. Consistent, yeah, he is. yeah, but he's no... Uh, he He's tried to, from what I've read, distance himself from Satanism specifically a lot. And now I, it seems to me like he's really doubled down on the nationalist part more hmm. so See, now. He, I, I feel like... I mean, I wasn't around and like of age at the time, but I feel like he always was. And if you watch... The one, that's one of my complaints about the movie is that it wasn't a satanic reason for burning the churches. It was okay. a very like nationalist pagan. Reason. Yeah, like they took our land, Christianity yeah, took our yeah. land. So we're gonna. I mean, he says that outright in the yeah, film. Yeah, or his character does. Yeah. Right. See, I thought they only. I thought he mentioned it once. And yeah, a lot it, of it was very like they were leaning towards the satanic aspects of it. It's, yeah, it seemed like. It's. I mean, I guess maybe at first because it seemed like that's where like Euronymous was coming from. Yeah, and you know. More, more from like a theatrical, like for the look kind of thing. Yeah. But then, I mean, there is like I think the first one they do together. He says like you know they like do you know when the first like fucking church was built? And he's like right. going off the, on yeah. this rant or whatever. You can watch Varg talk on his YouTube page forever. It looks like he's just holding his phone and talking in like his field. He lives off in some some farm. Yeah, with his kids and wife, yeah. which I've never seen. I didn't even know honestly that he had that's, a family. That's yeah, well, him and his wife, I think, were arrested together for the inciting violence incident. Ride or die. <laughs> Ride so, or. so th- I mean, and this is all, we, 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 we can maybe even get back to it a little bit, but I do want to talk a little bit more just about the film itself. Yeah. Um, I had a I had and, a hard time with Rory Culkin for a while. Huh. I, I mean, he's really good in it, but I couldn't, like, there was something about him that looked so familiar, and I realized it's because he looks like a grown-up Finn Wolfhard from Stranger Things. <laughs> and when, huh. when he cuts his hair towards the end, that's when it really hit me. I was like, oh, that's why I think he looks so familiar, because he looks like Finn Wolfhard, which it's is interesting. really interesting. But anyway, sorry. Yeah. On the topic of the film, I will say the imagery that they that they used was great. I'd never seen stuff like that. But then it leaned it leaned more towards because I don't know if y'all know the director he did Spun yeah which I didn't really tie and a that lot together of music to videos reason. yeah yeah Lady Gaga and he even did a Candle Witch video really? Metallica which it, fun fact in that Candle Witch video Bewitched um I'm Candle Mass sorry Candle excuse Mass. me um it's called Bewitched Dead is actually in that video moshing around in the cemetery huh which wow. he in the movie you yeah. know yeah yeah but they 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 went for those scenes like I knew yeah. having known the story I was like they're not gonna show some guy blow his brains out on the screen and I watched it on oh, a big did. screen yeah. <clears throat> Yeah, yeah, and it was really, really graphic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's interesting. So I, I actually, I saw this film at the Alamo. They did like a special screening that was invite only for people who are part five. of their victory yeah. program and stuff. 
And so I went, and it was funny because they didn't announce the film. Mm-mm. They just, it was like, you're invited to a special screening. It, I it, found oh, out. Wait, wait so you f- got there not knowing right. what the n- film was? Right. I oh, had dang. no idea what it was. That's I, bold. <laughs> and you stayed. And you stayed. Oh, yeah. I stayed. Oh, the but, if but, can, but there were like eight or nine yeah. walkouts. Oh, yeah. <laughs> there, yeah. yeah. And there were only maybe 20 of us to begin with. Can you go... 20 seconds into this program, you get invited to a film, but you don't know the title before you show up? That's how this Oh, one it was happened. a surprise. It was a nobody. I, I found out days before. Did you know I'm what you were going to see? And he was oh, the one projecting. Course. Yeah. <laughs> well, and I, I didn't find out okay. until like. So, we, David, you go with a potpourri mindset. Like, whatever happens, happens. I go with the mindset. I mean, I think we know this about me already. This isn't going to be any news to our uh, podcast listeners, but. I like all movies. I mean, I just really, there's, I mean, there are movies I dislike, but I enjoy seeing them to learn that I dislike them. So there's, if somebody says, hey, do you want to watch something? Unless I have some real pressing commitment to keep me from doing otherwise, I'm going to say yes. And this one was pretty sweet because it was free and they were also giving us free food and free drink. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, it was, it was kind of like, oh, hey. So talk about your initial reaction when you, how did you learn what you were going to see when they showed the title on so, the screen? As you know, the Alamo does these pre-show things and the birth, death, movie stuff. Yeah. And, and again, I, I apologize to our listeners who aren't in a market that has an Alamo draft house. But this, if you go to see a screening at the Alamo draft house about a half hour before the film, there's just clips that usually have some relationship to the film. Sometimes. And they were showing right. music video after music mm-hmm. video that was directed by Jonas Ackerland. I'm like, okay, then it's got to be Jonas Ackerlin, some kind of movie. And I knew that he had this Netflix movie that had just come out, Polar. You Scooby-Dooed it. Are they going to show us Polar? (laughs) (laughs) Um, Sorry. And uh, they didn't, thankfully. Although they did show the trailer for Polar at one point. Um, But Uh, Are you you anti-Polar? No, I'm just. Okay. I know it's on Netflix. I can oh, watch yeah, it. And I'm yeah, like, yeah. don't invite me to a special screening. When I have it's something, something that's I on can Netflix. Watch it. See, Netflix. that's a whole other conversation. Yeah. Right there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay. But, but so but then they tell that, you at what that it is. point, and and then I realized, and then they were showing some metal stuff. No, you Googled it. I can't. <laughs> no, I did at that point. Yeah. I mean, they were showing some yeah. metal stuff, and then I went to the this IMDb. Guy's the fastest page. Googler, man, and he does it when you're not even looking. Fastest hands in the West. And and I saw, oh, Lords of Chaos. Okay, obviously this is, and then it reminded me. I had heard something about they were actually making yes okay yeah so so we we uh, we sat and we watched it and so I'll say thank you I I enjoyed parts of the film okay I liked some of the smaller quieter moments of the story I liked the kind of showing these guys who are sort of notorious for these evil things that they did like hanging out waiting for dinner at their mom's house mm-hmm. and that was you know just like their rundown kitchens and the like banal food that they eat and the kind of so that stuff I loved I loved seeing these guys like kind of just they're humans they have to eat and rest and they have families and they have this sort stuff of out to of do. character like they're every day yeah, yeah 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 but but and 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 I like and I thought some of the the imagery in terms of some of those really dark scenes with the you know the suicide mm-hmm. the the murder I mean I thought that was done well I mean I'm not it's not imagery that I'm like craving to see all the time but I think if you're going to tell that kind of story you do it what I what kept getting me was the tonal shifts of the film like there were these 
sequences where I felt like it was really dry and serious and kind of showing it. And then there was that voiceover narration that kept coming yeah. back yeah. from Euronymous. I'm glad you brought that, that up. That was just so like snarky and smug and weird. And it didn't even fit his character, how his character behaved in, you know what I'm saying? Like yeah. there was a disconnect between uh, Euronymous, the voiceover narrator, and Euronymous, the character in the film who's interacting with other people. Yeah, I, I I agree with that. I the voiceover thing I didn't love. Um, I I had heard a couple of critiques that they leaned too heavy on the gore aspects of it, and uh, as See, I mentioned earlier, I did a lot of reading on black metal before, and I had uh, um, I had like I had seen the real picture of that Dead. that that Aronimus had taken yeah. of him because it was used for an album cover at some point like right. a bootleg live recording and like I don't know, I just clicked on it and I saw it so yeah when, and apparently so you can find you that, can. right he did like a whole disposable camera's yeah, worth of yeah. film yeah yeah, yeah. I, I just saw the one from that he used on the album cover but so I guess when it happened I knew like how graphic it was going to be and it didn't maybe strike me the way that some people did because I was prepared for yeah. it and maybe some people were but I thought yeah I thought some of the imagery was good um, I you know I thought Rory Culkin was good despite the voiceover thing. I thought the whole Sky Ferraria or whatever her name is uh, subplot thing was like, I don't give a shit about it. It's very that. throwaway. It was yeah. throw. It was it was almost as if they were like we're making a movie, so we have to have this like weird love story thing. Yeah, in or whatever. Like there has to be. The, it can't just be about metal. It ha- there has to be some other thing. I that, agree. That felt kind of on that non metal people or people that aren't interested in this subgenre can relate to or there care really about is and, two groups that i've had conversations with and it's people who know the story and people who don't and i think the graphic uh material is very shocking to people who don't know the who story. don't know yeah right but you know well, the story you've seen the picture so i mean if even if you haven't seen the pictures and you go into it not knowing that dead slit his wrist then his throat mm-hmm. then shot himself in the face like if you didn't know that that was coming and you just start seeing this oh, guy yeah, yeah. just like sitting in his bedroom you know, and just all of a sudden it's like, uh, yeah, I guess I'll do this or whatever, you yeah. know, that it, was it could a, be shocking. That was Val Kimmer's son. Yeah, Jack, yeah, right? And he yeah. definitely was the weakest link to me. I kind of liked him. <laughs> I, I, I didn't... There wasn't a lot of... I mean, there wasn't a lot of opportunity There's to a lot character of develop. There's behind that... Behind Dead? That, behind Dead, yeah. And uh, I just felt like... I, I felt like a lot of the promotion for this film was just like making fun of metalheads and how elitist they can be and how you know and so it it comes off that way with like i mean i loved the back and forth with like showing their their regular life and then their characters but it's it was kind of like saying this is so silly and a lot of people talking about it were like oh black metal people are way too serious it's like no i i think it's hilarious i think painting your face is Hilarious. But if you're going to create a film and get the... I mean, Rory Culkin's not the largest star in Hollywood, but he's a name. If you're going to get a level of stars that you're going to have to pay, and then you're going to alienate the audience, who who is this film made for? It's it's not a film designed to make a lot of money, so who is it I, made for? I agree. It's who not is as, the audience? I don't, I don't know. Honestly, I don't know, because it's clearly not something that, like people that are tr- like really really fans of mayhem and like that whole scene that are going to they're not going to love it. Right. Um but I don't know. I th- I I mean I did like the movie. I mean I didn't I didn't hate it. I didn't think that it was like the greatest thing that I've ever seen or anything like that, but I thought it was worth the like 2 hours and 6 dollars that I spent watching it. Um I I I kind of liked Dead and I mean I don't really know the character and the portrayal of him not because 
I like know anything about him or whatever, but I just thought that he was portrayed with like a certain like level of like playfulness in his, in like some of the, especially the stuff revolving around the music where he was like, you know, when they were in the face paint taking pictures and all that kind of stuff, he seemed like the only character that wasn't taking it hyper seriously and really like, this is life or death. Like I'm having fun making music. Um, and I don't know if he's, if he was like that or he was allegedly like that or anything like that, you know, to that effect, the reality of who that person was. But in the context of the film, knowing what I knew about it, I thought it was cool to see that in juxtaposition with Varg, who is portrayed in the film as being like, this is fucking real. Like we, yeah. this is like our lives and we have to be super, super serious about like burning every church in Norway down. And then on the other side of that, Euronymous, who's like, okay, we're going to do this for the image to create a mystique. Yeah. But I don't really care about burning every church in Norway. I don't yeah. actually want to kill you the way I described it to Faust or whatever. Right. Or, you know? Yeah. Um, so to have those two that are on the opposite sides of like image versus like living it and then dead, who's just like seemed to be having fun in the music when he was doing it, obviously not in the rest of his life. But, right. Um, I thought that that was like a nice balance hmm. to what was going on. But I will say that I did really really love the juxtaposition of there i know everyone else has said that but it i mean it it, and maybe this is why a lot of people don't like it but they're just fucking nerds like that's true they're like they're fucking nerdy kids with that you know come from well-to-do families for the most part i don't know about the reality of varg's situation but the way it's portrayed in the film he lives in a nice place doesn't seem to have a job, you know. So it's like, well, his family had money, right? Because that's do, they do mention at one point, that like she it's, pay, his mom yeah, pays his mom's for the record, be able to pay, but yeah. they don't explicitly like they don't show his house and that he lives in some big, you know, no, whatever. But, no. um, but yeah, they're just like kids that didn't have anything to do that were like, oh, we're gonna fuck stuff up. Well, it's know? natural rebellion. It's natural rebellion, and yeah. I and I think it's such a more graphic story of rebellion, but. Yeah, essentially it is. It's just kids who want to have fun and they're making music. They're finding something to do, and they ended up just kind of going on the deep end, going too far. Yeah, yeah. So it, it seemed it seemed like they were both, or not just both, but like everyone involved got into this whole like kind of image and like idea or whatever, and then nobody wanted to admit that they weren't about it, about it, you know. Yeah. And so they just kept trying to like play into the fantasy to prove to each other that they were actually they were about true Norwegian black metal. And then because of that kind of unwillingness to concede on it is what led to the escalation. Well it's, it seemed like partly the unwillingness to concede and then partly some of them, especially Varg, well, Varg really you know. buying into it in a way that was unhealthy. <laughs> well, it was well, the ultimate game of like one upping. Yeah, yeah. 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 I, I mean, yeah. when the scene with Faust happened, I, uh, I mean, I, I didn't get to watch it in one continuous segment anyway. But uh, I paused and I like Googled him or whatever. And if you like, I mean, you can read like quotes of him actually talking about it and him like just being like, oh, I mean, I don't know, like it was a thing that was going to happen and like whatever. But I didn't he didn't have any real emotional investment in it. It wasn't like he hated that dude right. for any reason. It was right. just like, this was a thing that he was going to do, or I don't know. And it, but it wasn't because he was like about black metal and like, you know, it yeah. wasn't like even satanic or black metal affiliated. It was just like a guy that was, you know, that was kind of off the, his rocker a little. I don't know. Morbid infatuation, I think. Yeah, yeah, because they were. I mean, when you when you play, that's the word I was looking for. <laughs> when you when you play a, a 
a type of music like that that's very dark themed and and uh centered around that kind of stuff you i mean i would imagine those people have darker thoughts and i think we're all capable of dark thoughts but they were obviously capable of deeper darker thought but yeah and, and they were also like kind of obsessing about it yeah. yeah it wasn't like you know i think i think everyone has some kind of dark things that creep into their minds every now and then but most of us dismiss it and move on and try not to think about it again but these were people that had them and then really honed in on them and, right you know and kind of I think that's the seed of how it happened, at least the way it's portrayed. But. I do like the way they showed uh, Hellhammer every time a church was mentioned, like a burning of church, he just kind of walked off. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Th- there were, de- I mean, they definitely showed some of the characters that were like, uh, yeah, you know, because uh, when you guys you, are a little, <laughs> yeah, when you're, when you're in a group of kids and you, you have like a group of friends and you do dumb shit, like my brother and his friends did a lot of dumb stuff. I learned from that. You, yeah. You always have the one who was the instigator. You always have the one who did the the worst right. things. But obviously, these people did a, like yeah. higher. Yeah, yeah. yeah. take it to like a whole other degree. But. So my first thing when I when the trailer played, I was like, oh, so it's a movie about this scene, and it's all Americans. That yeah. did y'all like? How did well, that? Well, yeah, yeah. Th- th- I've I've heard that criticism, and I get it. I I mean, I think it's an attempt to make it more marketable to yeah. where I I think they think. The biggest metal audience is with the English speaking market, but um, but yeah, I mean that does seem a little weird. Yeah, you would definitely cut down your audience if it was like a subtitled movie. Right? Yeah, for but, sure. But in that aspect, um, if they're trying to make it more marketable, the gore really didn't. Hold <laughs> no, no you're right. Saying. You're right. I mean, so well, it, the, yeah. I think Joe touched on it. Who is it for? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. I think yeah, it's I, a t- I think it's a tough one. I mean, listen, it, I I'm older than all of you. I went to see Rad. That's interesting. In the You've theater. never mentioned that before. <laughs> I, I have to because of the. Con- that's always a setup to the story I'm about to tell. But thank you for the criticism <laughs> because now I'll just say when I was a kid. No, I won't even say that. I went to go see Rad. Rad. The what mo- a film. The movie about BMX freestyling. <laughs> yeah. Right. There was Dur- only directed just, by Hal Needham, yeah, which uh, we, we will be talking about. There was which, only one ever made. He, freestyling bicycle movie, yeah. and I went to go see BMX because, Bandits. I, BMX Bandits. Now, oh, and I don't God, know. God, David Gurney, great with the deep cuts. Deep, <laughs> deep cut. BMX Bandits. But I was at both of those in the theater. Yeah, because I was that really weirdo near niche market that wanted to see a BMX freestyling movie, circa 1982. Did right. you ride BMX? Speaking of uh, being shaken to the core. Josh yeah. went rogue and opened another beer. I did. Sorry. <laughs> okay. I'm, I'm no, sorry. I love it. I no, love no, it. I'm, I'm here. Okay. I'm here for it. But but my my point being, one thing the BMX filmmakers didn't do was alienate the BMX market because that's the only market that's going to go see the film. Right. The action sports gleaming the cube. Uh, <laughs> well, I think market, but this this is an interesting problem that, that we're going to talk about, and, and it actually kind of I think is a good place for us to break because. You know, when we're doing these films that are about essentially subgenres, I mean, all right, this is black metal, let's face it, is a small niche subgenre well, it's within a, the it's world. It's a sub sub subgenre? Yeah. Yeah. Because metal well, is a subgenre of like it's rock also or, Right, right. This, That's true. This scene is like the second wave of black metal. Yeah. Like, right. It's literally broken down to that much. That's why it is hilarious. Like, I think metalheads are funny. They get offended if you say, oh, you're thrash metal. Like, no. No, we're you know whatever we're right. black thrasher. You know, there's literally right. so many. Yes, so that's why break it's, into a dance. Yeah, I think and it relates to beer in that way. Is that there's so many. There's right. IPAs. This, this there's is a hazy IPA. IPA. <laughs> this is a West Coast. This is an East Coast. Yeah. Yeah. Milkshake IPA. What the hell are you guys trying to do? 
so I think it wouldn't. Sorry, not to cut you off. I think it wouldn't be as successful if there wasn't like uh, I don't. I wouldn't say a resurgence, but a popularity, and it became kind of the cool thing to like. I think um, there's. I I've listened to a few people interview this movie, and they're like. Oh, if it wasn't for all the hipsters wearing Burzum shirts, like this movie wouldn't exist. <laughs> you can't really control what a genre or what anything you put out there into the world really does. And right, it's I all mean, it's all evolution. Yeah, yeah, it is. I mean, I love it. I mean, I wasn't uh, uh, I wasn't into it right when I was born. I grew up in a different place. I listened to a lot of rap, but when I heard it, it it, it did something to me. I love that kind of music, but I'm not ever like gonna tell somebody you can't listen to this because you're not cool enough like, or right. you can't yeah. drink this because it's not this or that right <laughs> but, but, which which is why i picked <laughs> this uh arrogant bastard uh you're not worthy yes. <laughs> i'm so glad you brought that david we're gonna leave it up to you to figure out how to segue to a a fourth beer right we so, never do four wait we no. doubled up on this episode yeah right? we did we did but so so my point being that when you go into these subgenres that are about exclusivity that are about mm-hmm. like boundaries and you must like these five things and not those three things and whatever that you're necessarily limiting your audience and it seems like it's been a stumbling block for not just this film but a lot of films so in the second half i think we're going to go into talking about some other films that have tried to take on various subgenres, none of which i think have been entirely successful monetarily at the box office but uh, before 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 you do that, correct yes. me if I'm wrong, Josh. One last note about black metal okay. is that it is specifically intended to keep people out and not be mainstream. Hence the low quality recordings. That like if you're about this, you're about this. You know. Yeah, yeah. It is very in, one of the, in my reading. That's what I gathered. It is. I mean, because there's plenty of people who uh, tell me like, oh man, I can't stand any of the early Barzum albums. I mean, yeah, if it, it kind of does keep you out. Like the production you value is not is, good. I mean, that's what I did. Like they showed him singing into the headphone microphone. That's true. He actually yeah. like told the uh, the engineer like, "I want the worst microphone you can find." Yeah, and it is. That's why and Varg will say it. That's why they did it. Um, but I've never aligned myself with that much of an elitist like <laughs> like mentality. Right. I like all like from the worst sounding metal to like the most produced. So, yeah. but yeah, that's very true. That's very like the early black metal feeling. Yeah. So. Before we before we forget here, um, how did we feel about Hypocalypse from Drake's Joe this Triple IPA? I, I've said it many times on this podcast. I'm old. No, uh, <laughs> I've said it. Many I'm older th- than everybody else. So when it comes to Triple IPAs, <laughs> yeah. No, I've said it many times in this podcast. I'm a recovering hopaholic. Uh huh. Mm. I I am seeking out new styles. Not even new. I'm seeking out other styles on purpose to break myself of this addiction. David, this is the best beer we've ever drank on the podcast. Really? Yeah, wow. I, yeah, a triple IPA, meaning it's high ABV and a lot of hops. That's exactly up my alley. I'm probably being hyperbolic, but yeah, the, you're this, wrong as fuck. That's fine. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's an older. It's an old school. If you I like, think, if you like hops, this is exactly the prescription. It's interesting because I l- never had Drakes before, but they've been around a while. And um, it, it's making me the, the closest um, comparison that I could make would be uh, Dogfish Head 120 minute. Not as much bitterness, mm-hmm. not not as much bitterness, but in kind of that malty, yeah, really 120 super minute is malty. They yes. call it deceptively well, smooth it malt is, yeah, character. Yeah, yeah. Drake says deceptively smooth malt character. Yeah, but it is. It's it's, a, accurate, it's yeah. smoother than 120. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's not mm-hmm. going for that kind of. 
t- you know, bitterness off the charts kind of thing. Yeah. But uh, but I'm already detecting, Carlos, you're... No, you're it was not, good. Okay. I mean, the but best not the best. Not the best. I mean, yeah, fucking yeah. get out of here with that. That was That's crazy. <laughs> We've had right. a lot of good beer on this podcast. We have. Um, we have. It, but yeah it, was, yeah, it was good. I mean, yeah. you know. I'd go buy it. Nice. Yeah, definitely. Nice. Now, here first? I am curious, though, because as uh, Carlos already mentioned, uh, Josh has opened up an, a third beer, a The third. Arrogant Bastard, which we've actually had on the podcast tried once before. To we tried to. was a terrible failure. Yes, we did. How is it going this time, guys? It's much better. Good. It is not... Uh, I don't know. Pass it over here. The... Pinche. <laughs> I passed it, and you guys slept, so... Sorry. Uh, Oh man, that first time that we tried was—I think uh, it was an old bottle. What? Yeah. Uh, what movie were we talking about? Oh, uh, it was it was uh, Mission Impossible. Yes, because the Tom connection Cruise was an arrogant arrogant <laughs> bastard. Tom Cruise, right? So yeah, yeah, yeah. we we did that, uh, and I picked ooh, it up. Well, this I, was canned on November twenty seventh of two thousand eighteen. All right, well that's that's a lot. I think that's, that's a lot fresher bad, yeah. than the what we had one. before. I've had more. I've definitely had some uh, that were challenging to drink from oh, that. Oh man, from we that brew. we we had this one that. I don't know, David. How would you, how would you even have described it's that? It's hard I mean, for me to. It was foul. Yeah, like see, some, that's that's why it's perfect for black metal. <laughs> yeah, something had gone. <laughs> they intentionally make bad beer so that only the, the hard. If you really like exactly. this beer, you're gonna drink some yeah. shit. Yeah. All right. Yeah, well, was, yes, ooh, I yeah. agree. Now that I'm Break sipping us. it, much better, much arrogant better. bastard. I, and I've had it in the past. It's been good. Okay. Well, let's let's take a little break here. We'll pause. We'll come back and we'll talk about other subgenres on film in the last couple decades and and uh, how we felt about those. Ethan's not here tonight, but uh, Josh, thanks for being here, man. We appreciate it. But that, that we have four of us. Ethan can't be here sometimes. I wasn't here in the 20s, back in the 20s. And I want to tell you, I had the occasion to watch two films recently that you guys discussed back in the 20s. Okay. Eighth grade, 
and Sorry to Bother You. I finally caught up with both of those. Mm-hmm. Uh, we should you should have brought this up during the Oscar thing because Sorry to Bother You got hoed. Yeah, so <laughs> I, I know yeah. I know you're unhappy about that, but I very when I didn't do a few episodes there in a row, yeah, I didn't really listen to them. Ethan doesn't listen to him. So I, I had to listen. I'm calling his ass out right now because I know he's not going to hear it. I listened to 21, <laughs> episode 21, where you guys discussed eighth grade yeah. and sorry to bother you. Yeah. And I got to tell it in you, theaters if, if you're a recent listener, like you just got into it, go back and listen to episode 21. That's a stellar episode, and you guys did a great job. Hey, thank you. Thank you. And I'm sorry that I missed it. Like, those like were great that. films. Like that, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I love both of those films. Yeah, yeah. they were good. Um, I have two eighth graders in my, I have a seven. Seventh grader and eighth grader in my house, so I've actually seen eighth grade twice. Two different viewings. Anyway, but Carlos, what are we doing now, my brother? (laughs) (laughs) We are, uh, oh, God. Um, We're going to talk about other movies that explore musical subgenres because there are are others out there. Uh, Other, I mean, not, I I guess some could be defined as biopics or, um, you know, somewhat fictionalized uh, versions of things. Um, But... As always, before we do that, we have to open another beer. And as has been the theme in the last couple, ev- last few episodes, uh, David is the um, the bringer of all good things. Yeah, so, I brought one of the. So so give you it, did well, no, Joe, you Joe, did yes yeah, so and, and so did Josh, Josh. brought a great. So th- this <laughs> has been th- this is an episode of riches. This, this is. is like an embarrassment of riches. Um, so this is from a brewery called Heathen Brewery. This is out of Vancouver, Washington. I thought the Heathen name kind of had a nice Washington. Um, Interesting. Yeah, it's smaller town. Tie to um, I think. Yeah, I think so. compared to Vancouver, uh, British Columbia. Yeah. Uh, or yeah, I mean, just or in general. Right. I mean, I don't know. And I, I, played, uh, I, I played a show there once. At no a soda shop. Really? Uh, yeah, and it was. I, mean, I don't know. It was, it was a cool place, but it wasn't like. A booming like metropolis huh, or whatever. Interesting. You know. Well, well, this is a beer that they do called Epitaph, and it is twelve uh, percent ABV uh, imperial stout. Oh yes. That uh, has it's a Russian imperial stout that they age in bourbon barrels. So I, I knew this would hit. You said Carlos's, the thing. Uh, you said the thing that I love. Right. <laughs> Even the title looks very metal. Yes. Yes. Right? The thank branding you, John. Does, as yeah. our as our resident metal expert. <laughs> okay. Thank you. We got the cosine. Right. So, um, and yeah, and, and sort of tying it in with these, uh, these lovely subgenres that we're exploring uh, this episode. So, so yeah, obviously, uh, Lords of Chaos drills deep, d- deep for an outsider <laughs> uh, in, into a subgenre that most people will have no awareness of. And, yeah. and thus, as we talked about, has kind of a limited maybe audience for it. Um, but there are films that have kind of done this in the past uh, in, in various ways, too. Um, and, and we, we had kind of tossed around a few that, that we had known. I know Carlos, you had thrown out this film. Um, what we do is secret. Secret. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, shouts out Harold. He'll know exactly what we're talking about. <laughs> uh, big germs fan. Uh, yeah. What we do is secret is a movie who, I, I saw, I mean, I saw it so long ago. I mean, I've seen it several times, but when I was introduced to it, I wasn't really digging deep into like directors and their filmography. So I don't remember who directed it and I probably should have looked it up, but he's it is, actually don't feel bad because it's his only film. Okay. Uh, Roger Grossman is the, is the okay. fellow's name. So yeah. it is, it is a movie that is centers around the singer and founder of the, um, very influential LA punk band, the germs or just germs. I don't know if there's a, the, um, 
But his name is Darby Crash. He's played by Shane West, who is uh, famous from A Walk to Remember, which is very interesting that he did that kind of movie and then plays this guy who, you know, would mutilate himself on stage and was a heroin addict and all this kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it dives into that particular moment in late 70s LA punk scene. Right. Um, uh, so, you know, I can talk about it a little bit more and like my experience with it and how the characters are presented, but I, honestly, I can't because I'm, I, I need to know what film you're going to talk about. Well, I which mean, one, which one is the one that you, which one of? do I want to talk about? Yeah. The, which one is the one you thought of that you wanted to bring to the table? Because I'm very, I'm very curious. Well, I, th- I wanted to throw in 24 hour party people. Mm, Th- okay. This is, this I'm is not a, familiar. It's a film that I love and it explores, it's kind of a miss. Is I it mean, about raves? Vaguely, it's it's about like it's about, it's about the Manchester <laughs> it's about the Manchester scene from like early 1980s into the 90s, centered around Tony Wilson and Factory Records, which included uh, yes, the bands New Order stuff. Joy Division, New mm-hmm. Order, OMD. the oh, okay. OM, well in the Daruti column, into the Happy Mondays, and all this. Stuff. So, it, but as a film, it's. And it's a, it's a fictionalized. I, it's, they're like yeah. a, it is. It yeah. is absolutely. like a narrative film, not a documentary. It Real is good right. Steve Coogan, who you may know, Alan Parsons, right? right. Exactly. Yeah. And uh, uh, Alan Partridge. Partridge. Alan Partridge. Yeah. Alan Parsons is the the prog musician. They yes. have a project. <laughs> yeah. yeah, Alan yeah, yeah, Parsons' yeah. project. Yeah. Uh, also, um, let us not forget that he was uh, the director of the film Tropic Thunder in Tropic Thunder. That's right. Oh, I That's love right. Steve Coogan. Yes. And and plays Stan Laurel in this film Stan and Ollie which never came here but uh will probably be on DVD soon hopefully I, I yeah imagine. yeah um but but anyhow he it's, yeah. it's it's a great film and, and and we'll talk about it in a minute but I do want to talk about what we do is secret because upon your declaration that you wanted to talk about it yeah. or it was a film that you thought of I watched at oh least, you watched it yes it was it's some a, of it or all on of Amazon it? Prime uh so so for our did listeners, you watch all of it I did not make it through the entire okay. thing. Did you not um, like it? Is I that did, why? I did not like it. Okay. <laughs> and and it's sad because I like Germs. I, I, I mean, the the, mu- the music is is good. And I mean, or I shouldn't just say good, but it's, it's, it is lively, like vital music. And that's what I hated about the film felt like dead to me. And, and it was really stale. And I was, it was looking at like the, I mean, just everything about it from the lighting to some of the yeah. the staging of things, yeah. it felt very. <clears throat> I don't know. It so just, I don't know how you could make something as dangerous as the yeah. as the germs <laughs> feel so boring. Yeah. So <laughs> and uninterested. So I was I was thinking about this on my drive to work today. Um, about, uh, I was thinking about it, and uh, so I mean, they're okay. So germs, other than just like their musical output and the influence they had on just like punk rock in general, mm-hmm. um, are very well known for the documentary decline of Western civilization, right. which was directed by Penelope Spheris. There's three volumes of it. She also did Wayne's world. Shouts out, yes. um, for the, bring us part for three. the, for the giant and little rascals for the giant career change, like in <laughs> trajectory Shout out. decline yeah. of Western civilization <laughs> to Wayne's world. Um, I think that that film does a pretty decent job at recreating some of those clips um, in like a staged narrative kind yeah. of form as far as w- looking the same um, to a certain extent. Now, 
when I first saw this movie, I would would have been like uh, probably like I don't know two thousand eight or nine. It came out in shortly after it came out. Came out, yeah. yeah. So I think two thousand nine. <gasps> so I was probably a senior in high school and uh, still like playing in like some of the earlier punk bands that I would have played in that mm-hmm. we still didn't know like exactly what we were doing. And I would also say that around this time. I would have not been fully cemented in my political ideologies um, and still kind of like figuring out exactly where I stood on certain things. Um, And I think to me, as a young person seeing it and seeing this guy who clearly didn't in the film is portrayed as, you know, I don't give a shit. I'm the fucking like dude that's controlling all this stuff. I'm the mastermind behind it and all this stuff. I found it very captivating. And like I, when I watched that movie, I wanted to go break shit and play loud music, you know? Um, Yeah. As like a 17 year old or whatever, especially there's a scene where they're going down to like a venue they're playing and literally just chunking bottles against the like walls and stuff in the, in the hallway and like, you know, whatever. And I was like, yeah, fuck yeah. You know, but I was just a kid. When he takes out the bag of flour and he's just like, yeah, but I was, I mean, I was just a kid. I didn't know anything really. And I was kind of at that point, I mean, I was probably just getting into like more hardcore punk and like, um, out of like the pop punk, like ska, like fun, happy, carefree kind of realm into like somewhat harder stuff. And I remember being pretty taken with the film at the time and, you know, it, it being this thing where I like learned about this band. And then I saw it again as an adult um, I don't even know how many years ago it was, but I know that at that point I like I was pretty confident about who I was as a person and where I stood on things and what I liked and what I didn't. And I remember seeing it and being like, "This is kind of crazy." Like, what? What? Like, That's what? always an interesting. Experience you know, like what? You... And, and and it's just like, first of all, I mean, they're if you watch the movie, you see Darby Crash and like these fake. These interview scenes or whatever, talking about fascism and how it's like the only viable political system, which I think to a certain extent he did kind of carry those views or whatever. And um, maybe not as quite as focused and like concentrated as they're presented in the film, but thinking he's the only person that can lead that system and all this kind of stuff. And the way Shane West portrays him is like, is as he's so articulate and like whatever. And when you watch actual footage of Darby Crash, the dude can barely speak. Right. Like, right. you can hardly understand him half the time because he's mumbling. He's high as fuck. He's what strung a weird out. Acting choice. And he, you know, and he, you know, he's living in these like, run down places with a bunch, like five, six, seven other people that are also strung out and barely coherent. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I mean, no, but think about that. The acting really, choice of, of doing the opposite of what a Academy Award winner... Re- well, <laughs> oh don't bring Bohemian Rhapsody into this. And, and clearly uh, trying to encapsulate the performance, the, 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 the one, real okay. person, to, to say, I'm going to make him an articulate... Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I think that they were trying to paint him in, a, in as a positive a light as they could, right. which may or may not be accurate to the way things actually were. Um, I mean, I'm not putting any kind of like moral value on Darby Crash as a human being or whatever. I think that the music he made was great and that maybe it was kind of short lived, but he was a very troubled person. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I, one thing I will say though is that it, that movie is probably similar to Bohemian Rhapsody insofar as that without the germs music, that movie probably is not watchable. Which is something that I won't say about Lords of Chaos. I think Lords of Chaos, to go back to the first half, as a movie without the music 
aspect of it still works. I mean, mainly because they don't lean on it that much in that. Yeah, way. I was going to say actually, um, if there was, I felt something was a little bit lacking in the film is that, and I'm talking about Lords of Chaos, is yeah. that the music wasn't. In As, there enough, like, but I liked they, that they only had uh, mayhem music. They couldn't yeah, use Burzum or, or any other band, which which I understand and 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 I get that. But even the level to which we see, I mean, there's kind of that one concert scene. Yeah, they really didn't, which is a good scene. I but think, they, I but think they a lot apparently of didn't surprised. actually play out that much. I mean, they didn't yeah. play live. They weren't. Well, mayhem did. They did. Uh, yeah, okay. Bur- Burzum, Burzum did didn't. Our okay, dark room, okay. but they don't yeah. even. Um, yeah, I mean, with with that, like, the, a lot of people were surprised to go back with Lord's Chaos Request. It's not more about the music and the bands. It's more about the characters. More yeah. about Euronymous yeah. and Varg. But I, but I think that's a positive thing about Lords of Chaos, that it doesn't rely on the music yeah. so much because it still kind of works as a film that has conflict and drama and, you know, right, all that kind of stuff. Right, right, right. Um, yeah, I, I think that, and, I, you know, like I said, it's been a couple of years since I've seen What We Do is Secret, but I think that... Uh, it probably doesn't stand up very well without the scenes of them performing Lexicon Devil and all those, you know, songs and um, and it, you know, it's pretty corny. Yeah. Um, Would you say it's by the numbers like music biopic? Yeah. I it feels it feels a little like that, and and I think, and, and, I think, and I think in, especially oh. for a band that is, and and I agree. Like I don't know, I'm not like a germs aficionado, and I'm certainly not, you know, somebody who has this you know, very clear vision of Darby Crash, but it felt so much more in control and calculated yeah. than I think it probably really was. But in in that that, you know, like I mean there's that there's a scene early on with him and Pat Smear like sitting out on what looks like a campus quad or I, something. Yeah, and I, they're like I, and it and it's like I have a five year plan and yeah, it's gonna be well, and, and he was very he about did. Yeah, I he know did. he did, but like it just came across as like I have a feeling that that was a thing that he said when he was super high yeah. around a bunch of people <laughs> in a club, and he's like, "I got a five-year plan, dudes." And yeah, yeah, like, yeah. And I'm that, interested. That in, probably mumbled it. I'm yeah. interested in who was behind it as far as producing and writing, because a lot of times yeah. with musical biopics, you have it being told by half of the members or yeah, only yeah, some yeah. of the people. I think I think that I like. I did kind of like the guy that played Pat Smear, and yeah. I mean, and you know, no, I think he went that, on I think the acting was things, fine. But, I think given what the screenplay was, I yeah. think they probably did fine. It's interesting. I this I didn't realize until I saw the film and I was reading a little bit about it. They actually the Germs reformed mm-hmm. and had Shane, Shane West, West run it, yeah, as the front man, mm-hmm. and they toured for like three or four years after this film yeah. came out, they which did. is. Kind of funny. I mean that that Very they were able to. Uh, yes. Sure. Yeah. I, I, the, now the one the one like just overtly positive thing I will say about this film is that as a young person seeing it, it did introduce me to the Germs. Like yeah. that, I didn't know about them before that movie. Right. Like I kind of knew who they were, but I hadn't really listened to them that much. And it was watching this film that and hearing the songs in the film that I was like, well, wait, those are. Those yeah. are good songs. I need to listen to more of this music. And then I sought out the music, and then that kind of was like, wait, so punk was happening in the seventies, you know, like other than just like the Sex Pistols in the UK stuff, like there was an LA punk scene yeah, in the seventies. Yeah, yeah. Cause I at that time I was like Black Flag and you know, like no effects and like stuff that was more eighties and like into the nineties, bad religion, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um so DRI. 
<laughs> it was like the most corpus thing you could have said. Uh, we I, played Udera like five times. Ankle gonna, walk. Was Great. Say, yeah. DRI comes yeah. a lot. No, where, where, where are they out of? They're not. They're from, from Texas. Uh, are no, are they're they? Texas natives. Are yeah, they? I, think, I, I, I apologize. Anchor Watt is what I meant hey, to Anchor say. Anchor Watt. Oh. Shouts out, well, David. Uh, yeah. But yeah, DRI is very. <laughs> uh, there, there, there's a couple of old punk bands that come here a lot. Like DRI is yeah, one mm-hmm. of them. The Business comes a lot. Yeah. Um, Casualties you know, used to. Casualties used to. Cro Mags still come pretty regularly. Yeah, who um, did I see? Seven seconds. They came. Yeah, through. seven Ooh. seconds came out that yeah. long ago, or yeah. Kevin, uh, some variation of it. At yeah, least, uh, yeah, yeah. But so, yeah, I mean, it's not a great film. And again, I so so what we do is Secret is probably a movie that tried to take a subgenre that's somewhat niche and try to market it. Yeah, above its scope. So right. in trying to, uh, you know inflate its audience a little bit it probably decreased it even more than it would have if it was a more accurate and faithful yeah. representation I, so I it kind of backfired i agree the opposite with you there. Of what I, d- I do think it was it was trying to get it so that it would appeal to a broader audience but i think yeah and it for, did not work for me i think it was sorry go ahead jump on i think it was interesting that you said you watched it when you're younger and you're like fuck yeah punk rock and then you watch it later and you're like oh kind of mean yeah because my least favorite punks are the fucking like just crazy off the walls because i didn't yeah. grow up with punk I I didn't like punk like I in high school I didn't like punk dudes because they were so elitist yeah and I got into punk later and uh I just never liked those like off the wall party animals it's like dude like yeah. chill to, out to me punk is very uh it's not just that. It's not just an image. It's not just wild. It's well, and, and you know, it's not I, an excuse. It's yeah, no, it, exactly. It's not an excuse. And I mean, I've had, um, I've had problems with uh, some of the people that, or the kind of person, not some of, but the kind of person that Josh is describing in the store mm-hmm. during shows. Like I remember very distinctly a guy who was easily in his thirties, you know, probably mid thirties. You know, that came in and he had his like sleeveless denim vest on, you know, cut off jack- denim jacket that turned into a he vest. He looks awesome. And he had, you okay, know, you can just call me up by name. He had a, you know, he you had gotta a, relax, man. He had a patch on the back of like some like very um, kind of perfectly uh, obscure. No, it was like um, a very crude, like not, homemade. Homemade. That's yeah. what a uh, patch that said like Lee Harvey Oswald on it or something Ooh. like that. And oh, it was, I know exactly who you're and talking it, about. And, it, and, <laughs> and, and, and he was like, he was fucked up already. It's like it's like seven thirty, eight o'clock at night, and he's That's, already trashed. And uh, I'm sure you do know who I'm talking about. Yeah. But and and he's harassing. It's he's harassing everybody at the venue. And like, okay, so. All, to, to put a little, uh, kind of con- to put a context on it, the band that was playing while all this was happening was like uh, the Promise Ring. They're like a nineties emo <laughs> band, you know. And uh, it was just it was that's what band. I'm saying. They find any show, any show, yeah. and they're there. They're there to be seen. They're there for attention. They're there to be like, I don't give a fuck about anything. Yeah. And it's like if you didn't give a fuck about anything, you probably wouldn't be doing what you're doing. Right, you know? You'd probably right. just be like going to shows that you enjoy, right, right, and not right. trying to find some like nineties emo band. To fucking bring a to bring the ruckus to their show or whatever you know it's just like stu- yeah. and so like eventually I, you know I try you know the obviously the first thing that he did that alarmed me was you know he like some band was playing he like Sig Hiles or whatever Ooh. and Ooh. and I mean there's nothing about this guy that tells me like oh this guy's a Nazi or whatever I'm like oh here's a guy being obnoxious for attention right I, like if you do anything else you're out you know yeah. and as a proprietor every alarm is ringing. every alarm it, it, from yeah. the, I mean obviously. 
but what, after he did it, I saw him kind of look at his friends like, oh, that was funny, right? I'm being like, you know, edgy or whatever. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, okay, as long as you don't do anything else, like I know you're just being an ass, like whatever. And then he started, you know, continued to harass people uh, in the crowd or whatever. Right. And I literally, you know, had to kick a grown, I'm like 24 at this point, you know, yeah. like I'm like a kid uh, almost. And yeah. I'm like, Hey, I'm the voice of reason. Get, get out of my shop. Like, what are you doing? And, uh, you know, and then even his friend who, uh, um, used to, you know, work at a beer proprietor, uh, that I would frequent. And so I like recognize this guy, but his friend that was there immediately understood. Right. And as soon as he saw me kicking him I'm out, he was so like, sorry. he was like, yeah, I get it, dude. I'm sorry. Like, I don't know why he does this, yeah. you know, whatever. That's, and so it's like well, that kind of stuff. That, and there you, and there you go. I mean, I, I think there is like this attraction to that kind of, uh, I don't know chaos and that. Uncondi- but I was the same way as a kid. Like I remember, no, like I, one of the first shows that my like punk you band would ever see played. Everywhere. I wouldn't know. I wouldn't oh, do that. Please, I would not please. do that. But the chaos part is the part that I would, that that because well, I would kick for no reason during yeah. like our shows when like my punk band first started playing. Uh, I would like kick the microphone stand right. and I would be like fuck this thing and I would kick it down and well, I would just start yelling the at the crowd. Are you playing to the audience? No, I just like, oh, I want to be but you as... you were performing. I was performing. I was like, I want to be as punk as I can possibly be. And right. I remember the first show yeah. we ever played, actually, it was at, it was at Disco Around. Um, Great two, shows. Uh, 2009 or whatever. And, it, you know, back then, uh, when Justin owned it, the way it was set up was, you know, there were these two rows, one row of CDs, one row of records, and the spot we had to play was very small and mm-hmm. narrow. And we were just like in this corner or whatever. And so I... I was like, oh, I'm going to be super punk and I'm going to like run around and I'm going to fucking whatever. And so I kicked the microphone stand and it hits like one of my best friend's dads in the face. <laughs> and he's like trying to videotape the shit because it was like, there's nothing. we more were playing rock. with his son's band who I would later be in that band, but it was their first like show in public or whatever. And so he's there trying to like get the whole thing on tape or whatever. And I, I'm being an asshole and fucking uh-huh. like kick this microphone. And it hits him right in the nose and just because I wanted to be as punk as I could be or whatever, yeah. you know? I, I don't I, know. Well, yeah. What was the name of your band? Uh, Soviet Spies. Oh. Will you please pepper the podcast with their music? I will drop in a song right here. Go on and be very afraid of us. We're the government. Fuck you. So you know you, you you talk about this. I remember my God. I love Soviet spies. <laughs> <laughs> I I remember my my coming to awareness of of punk rock happening when, when I was probably around that age, a little younger maybe. Uh, and and the figure of Gigi Allen at that moment. I blame who, Gigi Allen. <laughs> Fuck Gigi who, Allen. Who had not, who had not quite expired at that point. And oh, was, you're still and alive. Was supposed to be playing near to where I lived. Okay. In the summer that he died, and and this kind of what an danger. <laughs> oh yeah, no terrible person. But I, I bring it back to film here recently saw a really well-made documentary uh, that, that I think was on Showtime um, about his family. It was, it was uh, like, God, what was it called? Gigi Allen, All in the Family. What a, what a funny... Uh, set. But it's mostly about his mother and his brother, kind of like... Merle? Yes, yeah. right. Who played in the Murder Junkies with yeah. him and was, you know... but uh, And who continues to play with, with this Murder Junkies outfit that... 
and uh, but but similar like that that kind of chaos, this kind of idea of danger that went along with the music, and the music is terrible, awful. But <laughs> but, but that it was so dangerous. The punks will come. Yeah, but that careful. it was so dangerous was funny. Come for me, tweet so, at me. <laughs> so you know, the, I I remember that. You know that that is like sort of a a uh, an attractive element. I, and of, I mean, I, I think. I think especially in, to call back to Penelope Spheris, uh, yeah. who you know directed the decline of Western civilization, but mm-hmm. also directed this movie called Suburbia. When you're right. like a bored kid in the suburbs, just like with Lords of Chaos, you know they were like yep. the suburban kids of Norway. Yeah, I mean you you're you're first of all you're bored, and you are trying to think to yourself like, what can I do to shake things up? Like, how can I? not only like create some excitement or make whatever, an impact, but yeah, yeah, but I want people to notice me. I want, I want to not just be, you know, well, a normal also, suburban kid. And also, you know, like in, in Lords of Chaos feeling like there's something about this society that I'm being asked to be part of that isn't right. Yeah. And there's, a, there's a misanthropic element. And I to get all that. Them. I mean, like, and I think that's an impulse that we all have. And I, and I mean, that hasn't gone away. There are things I don't like about the world around yeah. me. But then, like, fixating on something. And in this case, like, this kind of, like, we were robbed of our culture. And yeah. it was, you know, the, that our sort of pagan roots are what we should be in touch with, See, not this. You can ask Varg and he'll tell you that. But if I ask any of the punks in this town, not any. They don't really have a reason. It's like you're fighting a system that... Right. And you're like, oh, you own a record shop. You're the system. It's like, dude, it's like, it's local business. Like, I don't know. There's something... Yeah. Yeah. There's (laughs) there's something to that that they're not really fighting a fight when they... Yeah. I mean, I I think, you know, I think for me and I think for a lot of the people that, you know, I've maintained friendships with that were a part of that, it's just like, there's this idea that, you know, there's already like such a clear path laid out for you. Like you're supposed to, you know do well in high school and care about it Mm -hmm. and then go to college and get a degree and then find a nice job and then get married and have kids. It's like to be 16 years old and to look at, you know, the future of your life or whatever. And to have somebody tell you like, this is exactly what's going to happen. And this is what you're going to do. You're like, that's, I mean, first of all, it's scary. And then second of all, you're like, fuck that. I can do whatever I want, you know? And then, so then that's kind of, I feel like that's where a lot of that, especially with the whole like suburban kid, like punk thing or whatever. But but I mean, for sure, there's a certain age where you need to f- figure it out and like be like, okay, maybe this isn't like, maybe I don't need to be as confrontational <laughs> as yeah. I've been, or yeah. what I, you know, I don't need to break shit just to break well, shit. I, I, I own a store. Can you calm down, please? Yeah. <laughs> please uh, don't damage the goods. <laughs> to, yeah. To, to bring it back to the uh, to the punk and and in uh, in twenty four hour party people, I mean, where that film starts, and this is a film that I really, really, I just want to take a moment, and this is like. Dave's recommendation corner uh, <laughs> part of the podcast. If Hold you on. have not seen this film, <laughs> yeah, yeah. In a if you jingle. have not seen 24 Hour Party People, do yourself the favor, find it. Even if you don't love the music, which I think you'd be sad, it'd be sad if you didn't like some of the music that, that Factory Records put out. But it is such an interesting film that's like this time capsule of this period from about 1976 to 1992 in the UK where there was just this incredible run of really interesting bands trying different things. They don't all sound the same. I mean, just think about Joy Division to New Order. Such a yeah. difference in sound. I mean, same group of guys, just, you know, less one singer, yeah. um, who and did girl. something very different. Um, but the film itself, and, the, and this is what I, where I think, you know, it kind of separates itself from a lot of films like, 
you know, w- w- uh, what we do is secret or even, you know, the runaways film or the, you know, the, Sid there's and Nancy. Sid, and Nan- Sid and Nancy. I love too, but that for different reasons, but this one, it really it as a film just is really well made. It's very funny. Uh, Steve Coogan is Tony Wilson is just an amazing casting choice. Mm-hmm. And beyond that, like lots of wonderful moments throughout. They incorporate some of the actual figures from the period, like Howard DeVoto from uh, the Buzzcocks shows up in it. There's a bunch of other kind of little uh, cameos. Uh, who else? Uh, Martin Coogan, Steve's brother, Mar- Marky Smith from The Fall, mm. Vinnie Riley from De Ruby Column. You, you haven't seen it, Carlo? I have not. Oh, yeah. yeah. I had not even heard of it. Oh, no, it's great. About same 10 minutes ago. You know, it's the movie I brought to the table, too, but when I knew that David had brought it, I knew that he'd. Do I a do love job Closer. Though. Yes, yeah. that's great, too. Yeah. And, that, and that's a much drier, kind of more uh, dramatic take yeah. Yeah. on the Joy Division story, right. me and Curtis in particular. Right. This is much cheekier and sillier, and but there's a great scene right at the beginning of it where Tony Wilson, the guy who started Factory Records and had the Hacienda Club, is at the Sex Pistols performance in Manchester, and, uh, you know, it's it's like everybody who, like, is touching off this scene in Manchester happens to be there and how it's like this kind of flashpoint for that. Yeah. It's it's a really it's just a wonderful film and it, it's it's one that I'm I'm always finding myself recommending to people who yeah. uh you know, hey, if you haven't seen this one and you're a music fan, I think you'd really dig it. And again, it's like it's not that you're going to love every band that's depicted in it. In fact, I love most I, of the ones you mentioned. The the Happy yeah. Mondays uh what's his name? Sean Ryder. I mean, it's it's almost it, it, even the film makes it kind of perplexing. Why does Tony Wilson think this guy is such a great? <laughs> but but it's fun to watch. It's just it's a, it's a really interesting film that kind of takes these funny moments from a particular scene and blows them up in this way. So so that's a that's a movie about a subgenre that you think worked. I think and so. And it's a good depiction. I think and I think that transcends. It's, it's it. still a very narrow audience. I think transcends yeah. it. But but I. I honestly think almost anybody could watch the film, and if they go with it, could enjoy it. It doesn't matter if you like the music as much because it's really a fun film. That's my take. Okay. But this, anything, the description of those movies is always it's a film about blank band. Right. I mean, it, they always boil down to that. Or about, you know, this particular place at this particular time. Right. right. The, the one that we haven't talked about that you said you really would never want to see again, and I agree, I wouldn't want to see it again yeah, either. CBGB. So there was oh. a film a was few Alan, years back. Alan Rickman, yeah. Yeah. Uh, which was such a disappointment Rest because in peace. I remember. Yeah. What, what a legend. Alan I remember Rickman. hearing about that being made and being kind of excited. Oh, that would be interesting to see a film. And it was just. Bad. How could you? make such a so terrible bad. film out of such an interesting scene it's it's uh perplexing how bad it is, yeah, it uh, is. i mean but yeah. you know what you, is it worse than a fantastic <laughs> the fantastic movie that kind of goes across a, a, a broader audience and 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 succeeds spinal tap our stars align <laughs> but it's still the stars aligning spinal tap isn't the spinal tap if it's three degrees away from what it eventually <laughs> is and sometimes you get the stars that align in the most negative way to take a film that should be great and it Make turns it out to be bad. Like Very it bad, didn't yeah. work out. That's all I think it's the a lot answer of, to that question. Sorry not to cut you off. I think it's a cut lot of me off, mother <laughs> I think it's a lot of people who don't understand 
that scene or that genre or that era making a film or involved in the film. Yeah. Yeah. Oh wow! Yeah, yeah. What, what what a weird artistic choice as the <laughs> filmmaker. Yeah, I mean, it seems weird to try to make a movie about something you're not that familiar with. Right? I mean, it I mean, just comes to business. It's business. Yeah. But uh, so twenty four hour party people. That, yeah. So it sounds like it was about the record label. It is in part, but it's really about the bands. I mean, yeah. the, the, the record label is the Tony background. Wilson, who is the guy who you know owned the label and was also a TV presenter. He's a major character in it, but it's really about his fascination with these bands and how much he loved them and and wanted to help them become popular and obviously was very Did, successful. Yeah, yeah. yeah I, I love stories about those kind of people who bring everybody together. I mean, I've noticed you're you're a hip hop fan from your stickers. Have you seen yeah. the vinyl ways the ten? Documentary. Yeah. No, I haven't. The Peanut Butter Wolf yeah. one. Stone, yeah, yeah. Stone, Stone. It kind of reminded me it of that. Good. And it's you know, good. he he came. He was here uh, in uh, God. Where was that? In Austin. Um, no, 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 no. It was Victoria. Really? Yeah, they showed it in Victoria. This was like oh. whatever six or seven years ago. But anyway, it made yes. me think of that. Like about um, one, like a, a producer or somebody who runs a record label who can give us so much, and we don't really think about that. We only think about the bands. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, when you think of Stone Store, it's like, okay, Mad Lib, Mad Villain, yeah. Yeah. Doom. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But there's this guy that's like ride or die for all these people behind it. It's true. That it's true. There are, there are those figures. Mayor Hawthorne. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, Tuxedo, all that, all that good Stone Store stuff. Um, so, I mean, I think that you can make these films and they can be really good films, but I think it's interesting how much they don't work. <laughs> you yeah, know, they, they can really they, not work. Because they, they do. I mean, I think they have to cater to this certain audience, but then they also try to appeal to more, and I think that's a tough tightrope mm-hmm. to walk. Yeah, so. I think that's what does them in at the end of the day, is trying to have your cake and eat it too. But the question is, did this epitaph walk the tightrope for us? Oh, that was great. Best beer we've had on the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Since wow. the last... This is a superlative episode. Since the arrogant bastard. <laughs> nice. No, that is... I mean... It's really good. Solid they're, as they're hell. That... Uh, I wish that that bottle never... would. It could, would never run out. Yeah. Oh, like yeah. the, the like, ever-replenishing yeah. bottle like Willy Wonka made it for us? Yeah. And it just, yeah, okay. Russian Imperial Stout and bourbon barrels. It's got the right, it's got the right amount of bourbon. Mm-hmm. It's a, the base beer, the stout it's is clearly hell. fantastic already, mm-hmm. and it's it's smooth. It has enough bite, but not too much. Uh, it's roasty. It's chocolatey. It has the right mouthfeel. I mean, everything that could yeah. have been right about this beer was done right. Epitaph Heathen Brewing. David, you made a joke. What's the ABV? Twelve. Uh, Twelve. Got him. Twelve straight up. It's exactly what we wanted. Epitaph, <laughs> you made a joke that the, the, the label art is, you know, it's death metal, if you will. I noticed over I here on the, it's death metal, but oh, it's pretty metal. On the right hand <laughs> side, you've got the featured artist. They list the artist of this oh, right. yeah, yeah, yeah. label. And I love breweries that do that, that reach out to more creative endeavor than just the brew making itself and the you skill know, that, that requires. But to I imagine that if we Googled or looked into heathenbrewing.com, they must bring artists into some of their, their beers. I love that creative yeah. union. Yeah, it's great. And, you know, another great 
uh, Brian Bre- Pepper is the featured artist. Brewery for Sorry, labels uh, that that I wish I could have brought a bottle of, and I did not have one on me is the uh, Jester King out of mm. out of Austin. Mm-hmm. Actually, has a black metal beer. Yeah. And that's right. I, I, yes. I would love to have been able to bring that, but I did not have hmm. a bottle. So. Did you ever get one? I've had black. Oh one. yeah, Jester King used to distribute here. They, well, I I know it, that I I mean I know that that's a beer that they they do, but yeah, I mean there was a recent. They also release have, of it, they, right? Yes, there they, was there no, was something they, they make it. Must have been a variation. A, they also have funk metal, yeah. and they have uh, another. Maybe it's dark metal. I don't know. But there was one that the beer talk. Various groups, the various beer they were groups excited that about, were yeah. raving about, yeah. and like everyone was ISO. This will, you know, whatever. Yeah. Let's talk about it on our social media. There yeah. we go. <laughs> Speaking of which, you can find us on Twitter at Beer Movie Show. You can also find us on Instagram at Beer and a Movie. Instagram is where we show you guys pictures of what we're drinking. Uh, not just on the podcast, but just in our daily lives. You know, you never know what's going to pop up there that you might want to keep an eye out for. And then, uh, uh, of course, everyone's on Facebook, even though none of us want to be. Uh, so you can check us out, facebook.com slash TX, And then, as always, at beerandamoviepodcast.com. If you are listening to this on uh, Apple Podcasts, uh, we would appreciate it if you rated and reviewed and subscribed and we would also appreciate it if you didn't just give us that five-star review, but if you also wrote a little bit about what you like, what you don't like, what you want to see in the future. We're always interested in suggestions of different breweries to try, uh, different themed episodes that maybe you want to see, uh, all, like what new movies are coming out that you're excited about that you want to hear us talk about, all that kind of stuff. Um, so do all that, please. That's uh, right. And ye- yell at us on Twitter about true Norwegian black metal. Yell at us about that. And if you're listening to this close to release date, remember, folks, we will be live at the Corpus Christi Brewery Festival on March 9th. 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 I think we're three. playing that. Y'all are? I got an offer. Wait, Bomb Hoarder? Yeah. Is playing the Corpus Christi so. Brewery Yeah, we week? got an offer last year. I think it should still stand. Very we just nice. needed a longer set list, and I think we... We're there, Dang, so we gonna, might be playing. Well, good deal. So, so you, you, you all come out on March 9th uh, at the Corpus Christi Brewery Festival. It's a wait. No, is that the ninth? God, it's it's, a, it's March 9th. I thought it was the tenth. Okay, March. It's Saturday, March 9th. Okay, from, we'll be we'll be there two to three p.m. Uh, I believe, right? Two That's to three. Right. And I'm I'm gonna guess they're gonna put bomb hoarder on closer to the, I the nighttime ch- hours. I need to check with them, but yeah, they yeah. Uh, they asked me and. I was like, if you really want us to play, they said they pay yeah. some beer, so that's fine. Hey, well, that's that's good. We'll payment. Take payment if it doesn't happen, too. Corey, if you're listening, pay us some beer. If it doesn't happen, <laughs> I'm sorry. Don't, yeah, <laughs> don't tweet don't at me. me. So we'd love to have some of you all show up and uh, smoking and the bandit, uh, smoking the bandit, and Strange Brew are the films that we're that's gonna be talking right. about. If you want to prepare in advance, uh, also I know that uh, Josh has a birthday coming up, which I'm not just saying because I like birthdays because I don't, but. Because he has a show at the NASA that day or around that What's day. What's the that day? day? It's uh, the day of March 23rd to March Saturday. March 23rd, Saturday, March 23rd at the NASA. You can catch Bomb Hoarder and... Uh, Charm from San Marcos. Charm. And local Snow Killer. Oh, nice. Snail Killer's yeah. always good. Yeah, and yeah. We're, we're actually, we lost a band from San Antonio that was coming down, but we're looking for a band, so... Ooh. So, so if you're if, listening if and you're trying you to play, play metal... <laughs> Not it, just it, metal. No, it's no, no, yeah, it's it's all all around. Snail so Killer I, I, is like an electro hip hop band. Yeah, yeah. Oh I, wow. I, okay. I love, and I, I know it's cliche, but I love everything. So hey, my daughter plays ukulele. She's there. Like, we go. Joe's she's daughter. A solid twenty five minutes. Mixed bills 
in my opinion, are the best. Right. Like going to mixed And shows. I hate birthday shows, but it brings people out. Yeah. Nice. I mean, we're all going to go, so. Yeah. And drink. I'm going to get one of those. <laughs> <laughs> the heathen. The, the heathen. The yeah. If you uh, want to get heathen, you got to get it on. That's right. Uh, sponsor us before we say your name out loud. Give us money. Until then, this has been Beer in a Movie Podcast. Uh, don't forget to do all the things that we told you to do. Do what we say. Don't be a poser. Oh, 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 oh,